1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13 commands you to prepare your mind for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. How are you doing with that? Are you focused every morning and throughout the entire day on preparing your mind for the battle? What does that even look like? How do I do that? Well, welcome to the Point of Purity podcast. I'm your host, Steve Etner, author, national speaker, and purity coach for the Pure Man Ministry. This is episode 52, as we continue our mini-series on how to live for Christ. And in this episode, we're going to open the Bible, we're going to look at the scriptures and discover together how to prepare our minds for action. So ready or not, here we go. For many Christians, Sunday is a day meant to focus all of our attention on God, a day of worship. We go to church, we greet each other with a warm smile, we sing the worship songs as a congregation, we open our Bibles, we listen to the preacher deliver his well-prepared sermon, and then we cordially shake his hand on the way out the door and thank him for the message. But did you really worship? Did you truly honor God from your heart, or did you simply play church? Are you a one-day-only-on-Sunday kind of Christian? Unfortunately, many of us sit in the service and we go through the motions while we feel numb and empty inside. Why is that? We're at church, we're going to church, we're in church for the wrong reason. You see, we should never go to church to worship God. Let me repeat that. We should never go to church to worship God. Now, hear me out, please. Yes, we definitely worship God while we're at church, but we should never go to church because that's where we worship. We're to worship God everywhere and anywhere we are, every day, all day. So when we walk into church on a Sunday morning, we're not going to worship, but rather we're bringing our worship with us. I want you to think about that. The real question here is whom or what have you been worshiping during the week? In fact, I challenge you right here, right now, think about your activities over the last few days and then answer this question. Whom or what have you been worshiping all week long? Be honest now. Be truthful with yourself. Whom or what have you been worshiping all week this week? What about last week? What about the week before that? What about this entire month? The month before that? Let me take just a couple of moments here and read to you some verses from Scripture about the topic of worship. John 4, verses 23 and 24 says, The hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. John 4, 23 and 24. Psalm 95, verse 6 says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Isaiah 12, verse 5 says, Sing praises to the Lord, for He has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Luke 4, 8, Jesus said, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. In Psalm 29, verse 2, it says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. 
Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. In Psalm 96, verse 9, it says, Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. I submit that it is impossible. Listen now, watch this. It is impossible to walk in the doors of the church building and spiritually flip a switch from worshiping King Me all week long to instantly worshiping God on Sunday. Whomever you are worshiping during the week is whom you will worship during the Sunday service. Here's my point. We must be focused on God, not just on Sundays, but all during the week. Not just when we're on the battlefield fighting temptation, but when we're in our lazy boy enjoying some downtime as well. Have you ever stopped to consider what things around you, in your, your, your daily surroundings, what things are impacting and influencing your thoughts? I ask this because what you think strongly determines what you do. Your thoughts steer your behavior. But hey, don't take my word for it. Listen to this command from God given in Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Now, this is powerful enough it bears repeating. Listen closely. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Proverbs 4.23. God says the most important thing here is to guard your heart. Let me repeat that slowly. Listen, watch this. The most important thing is to guard your heart. Nothing, nothing is more important than this one singular thing. Guarding your heart must always take highest priority in your life. Okay, so what exactly is my heart and how do I guard it? Well, in the Hebrew, the language that Proverbs 4.23 was written in, the word heart is the Hebrew word lebeh. It refers to the place where all of your thinking and all of the decision-making occurs. Now, where is that? It's the, the home of all your knowledge and understanding. Where is that? It's your mind. God says the most important thing you must do at all times is guard your heart. Protect your mind. Why? Because it, your, your mind, is the wellspring of life, Proverbs 4.23. That word, wellspring, refers to the primary source of something. It is the outpouring. Uh, it's the result, if you will. In other words, the primary source of everything that you say and everything that you do is your mind. What you think will become what you say, and what you think will become what you do. The reason that you say the things you say, the reason you do the things you do, is because what's in your heart. This is is why it's so, so important. This is why it's of highest priority that you guard your heart. Guard your heart, and you will guard your behavior, because what you think will become what you do. This is also why Satan's number one goal His number one target is to influence your thinking. Because he knows if he can influence your thinking, he will impact your living. Just like the well in ancient times could be tainted, and and, and tainted water would affect the community water source, and thereby it would have an impact on people's health. So 
in the same way, allowing sinful thoughts into your mind will pollute your entire life. If you're going to glorify God in everything that you say and everything that you do, everything you allow yourself to see and everything you allow yourself to hear must also glorify God. Since your mind is the place where behavior begins, it benefits you greatly to have a prepared mind. You see, to live for Christ, you must, as 1 Peter 1.13 says, prepare your mind for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope, set your focus, set your attention fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Prepare your mind for action. Now, to help you think through this verse and understand what Peter is telling us to do, I want you to think about this. When you're preparing for something, what are you doing? For example, you're preparing a meal or you're preparing to go out into battle. What are you doing? What is the preparation all about? The answer, you're getting ready. Something big is about to happen and you're putting into place everything that you're going to need to accomplish the task when that event happens. You are preparing. So here's my next question for you. According to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, what are you supposed to prepare? Let me read the verse to you again. Prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. According to that verse, what are you supposed to prepare? The answer, your mind. Now, here's my next question. According to 1 Peter 1, 13, What are you supposed to prepare your mind for? Listen again. Prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. 1 Peter 1.13. What are you supposed to prepare for? The answer, according to the verse, action. So that leads us to the next question. What is the action that we're to be preparing for? The answer is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. See, those verses tell us that though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Over in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we are warned that we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places, Ephesians 6, 12. In other words, the action we are to prepare our minds for is the attack of the enemy upon our spiritual well-being. His primary target, watch this now, his primary target is your mind. I said earlier, let me repeat, that Satan knows that if he can impress your thinking, he will impact your living. What you think becomes what you do. This is why it is so vitally important that you are, above all else, setting a continuous guard around your thought life. You're guarding your heart. You're protecting your mind. Be very intentional. Be acutely aware of your surroundings and the impact, the influence that those things, those conversations, those images, that person, that movie, that television show, that foul language, what can that impact can that have upon your thinking? And therefore, what influence does that have upon your behavior? Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 and 23, that the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, 
your whole body will be full of darkness. I want you to think about what Jesus is saying here. Your eyes are like a lamp. Think of a lamp as a flashlight shining in a pitch black night. Only, instead of that beam of light shining out from your eyes, it's actually shining inward towards your soul. That light, the things that you see, the things that you allow yourself or or you choose to look at, they are a strong influence on how you live, on where to go, on what to do. Think of it this way. See if I can illustrate it this way. It would be rather silly of me to look to the left and walk to the right while I'm still looking left. Would you agree with that? I, I mean, eventually, I'm guaranteed I'm going to run into something. I'm going to stub my toe on something, or, or something worse is going to happen to me. You see, when I'm walking, I'm always going to walk where my eyes are looking. Why? Because what I see is going to influence what I do. Let me repeat that. What I see is going to influence what I do. So once again, I want you to think about this. What happens to your choices when the majority of the things you allow your eyes to see and the ears to hear each day are sinful and godly? What happens to your choices? Jesus is telling us that the things that we see have a powerful influence on the things that we do. If your eyes are good, if they're focused on the things that glorify God, then your actions, your behavior will be good. Your behavior will glorify Him. However, if you allow your eyes to view things that are ungodly, those things will eventually wear you down, and your lifestyle will eventually reflect that choice. I like to put it this way. What the eye sees, the eye does. Let me explain it to you. What the I, E-Y-E, sees, the I, letter I, referring to me, does. Every moment of every day, you and I are faced with choices about what we're going to permit ourselves to see. And with every choice we make, with every choice we make, there are consequences. Are you going to choose to see only those things that encourage you to live a godly life? Or are you going to allow some of those things that may tempt you to indulge the lust of the flesh to slip in every once in a while? You see, what you see influences what you think. That in turn directly impacts what you do. What the eye sees influences and impacts what the eye does. Daily, you make decisions about what you're going to watch, what you're going to read, even what you're going to listen to. Most of the time, you're not really conscientious of those decisions, but you're still making them. And Paul challenges us in Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 17, to be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is, Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. In other words, make the right choices. Well, two weeks from now, we're going to continue our discussion on how to prepare our mind and guard our heart. Next week, because it's Thanksgiving, we're going to have a special Thanksgiving Day edition, and I look forward to talking with you about being thankful. But for right now, I want you to understand that God has a will for you regarding what you should see and what you shouldn't. He has given, now listen, watch this, He has given you His Holy Word. He's given you the Bible. He's given you the Scriptures 
to shine a light on the path that he wants you to walk. David declares in Psalm 119, verse 105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In that same psalm, Psalm 119, verse 130 says, The unfolding or the opening of God's word gives light. In Psalm 19, verse 8, he writes, The commandment of the Lord is pure. It enlightens the eyes. My friend, we should be daily asking God, Psalm 43, verse 3, send out your light. Send out your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Why? Why is that so important? Because as 2 Peter 1, 19 says, God's word is a lamp shining in a dark place. So I challenge you, open God's word. Read it, study it, let it lead you, let it guide you, follow it, walk in obedience to it, and you'll be glad you did. Well, as we conclude this week's podcast, let me share this one last thing with you. No matter what sin issues you may be battling with, no matter where you may be in your walk with God or in your marriage relationship or at work, don't give up hope. Don't quit. Don't allow discouragement to defeat you. God has a plan for your life, and he is at work, even now, molding you into the Christ follower that he wants you to be. So stop fighting him. Stop trying to take over the process and trust him with everything. Lay all of your temptations on the altar. Sacrifice them to God, and then just walk away. Open your Bible and read, study, meditate, memorize it. Let God's truth penetrate and saturate your mind and fill your heart. And as Romans 13, 14 challenges us, don't even think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. But rather, as Romans 12, 2 commands, allow God to transform you as you renew, as you change your mind. Well, if this Point of Purity podcast has been a blessing to you, if it's ministered to you, it's encouraged you, it's challenged you in your walk with Christ, would you please join our team of Point of Purity partners as we impact our world by equipping and training men and women how to live in purity and godliness and integrity. Your financial support of any amount to this ministry will go a long way in helping men and women find victory and freedom that only Christ can give. To give your tax-deductible gift to this ministry, simply go to our website, thepuritycoach.com. Again, that's thepuritycoach, all one word, dot com. In the upper right corner of the webpage, look for the Donate button, and you can give your tax-deductible donation today. Thank you for partnering with us. And if you've not yet subscribed to this podcast, let me encourage you to do so today so that you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Well, until next time, this is author, speaker, and purity coach Steve Etner reminding you that if you're going to glorify God in your everyday living, he must first be glorified in your every moment thinking.